Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human podcast. It is June 7th, 2021. We are on episode 65. Uh, Great to have you with us. So I don't know about you, uh, where you're at, where you live, um, but for us in uh, California, things are finally reaching kind of an end point, I think, uh, with COVID. So things are opening back up. The whole mask thing is is not really as big of a deal outside. Um, we still wear them in to stores, you know, in to get a seat at a restaurant. But then the minute you sit down, you take it off. And I think here within the next week or two, um, that even may be changing as well. So things are shaping up as the summer approaches. Uh, it's going to be a a fairly normal summer. I think. Um, Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to hanging out with the family as they're home from school, uh, doing some vacationing, and just relaxing, really, after, you know, what is it, 18 months or more of this this pandemic. uh, It's really time for us to just get back to life and stop having that as kind of our main focus uh, in everything we do. So there's that, and then what? What else? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's really the big cloud that's been hanging over everyone's head. Uh, and I feel like there's places in the country where it's it's actually back to normal 100%. So you've probably been functioning this way now for three or four months. Uh, and it's, it's just us here in California <laughs> taking our own sweet time. All right, let's move into our minute of transparency. So this week, I'm just going to call it cheating death. So have you ever cheated death? I mean, really, like looking back on your life, uh, was there an incident or multiple incidents where you would say, I really should have died in that situation, but here I am. Uh, My assumption is that even if you haven't experienced that for yourself, you probably know somebody who has, or at least you've heard stories about people who have cheated death. So in my life, I mean, it's not hard to look back and find something. Um, I still remember the situation one time where as a kid, I was climbing uh, without ropes. We were on a hike and I just, I kind of saw this rock face and I'm like, oh, I know I can do that. So I went over there and I started climbing up this rock face, got quite a ways up and then got stuck and I couldn't get down. Like I had no idea what to do next. So here I am clinging to this rock face way, way, way up, not sure what to do next. Um, And luckily, after a lot of work, uh, people on the ground were able to kind of help me, show me where I should put my foot next and and things like that. Uh, And I eventually got out of it. But that was a pretty crazy situation. Um, I remember the time, I don't remember where we were at, but we were at the ocean vacationing. Uh, and I was pretty young, and I don't think I had ever 
experienced the ocean or, or what an undertow could actually feel like. And I remember, you know, getting hit by a really big wave and it slammed me against the bottom of the ocean and then drug me out, you know, a good six, eight feet. And, uh, you know, I thought, whew, that was rough, but, you know, it's over. So I, I went to stand back up and the next wave hit right as I stood back up, slammed me to the bottom, dragged me back out. Um, and that happened, you know, two or three times in a row to the point where I I wasn't sure I was getting out of it. Um, and then I, you know, I, I pushed as hard as I could. I slammed my feet into the sand, shoved myself to the surface and uh, got enough of a breath to... Um, probably alert somebody. Uh, and I think somebody came out and helped me get out of that wave, wave uh, set. So that was rough. Uh, I remember a motorcycle incident back in, in college where I was riding with a bunch of friends. Uh, and we went under an overpass uh, on I-94 in Chicago. And I just remember the front, uh, the front of my motorcycle just started shaking violently and the the handlebars were, were going back and forth and back and forth as fast as they could. Um, and I had, you know, I just for this brief second, I didn't even know what was going on uh, and was able to slam my hands into my handlebars in such a way that it stabilized the bike and I was able to kind of ride out of it. Um, but, you know, that was on a busy highway with cars everywhere and, and, uh, if that thing had to settle down, I mean, I don't know what that accident could have looked like. And aside from that, I mean, I've been in two or three car accidents. Uh, one of them was pretty f severe um, with a bunch of my friends and ended up getting a, a cut on my leg, um, not even a broken bone, um, walked away from it. And those are just the ones that I can remember. I mean, I'm sure there are situations I was in that uh, I didn't even realize how severe they were or, or how dangerous they could have been, um, but yet, you know, walked away from it. Fine. And then there's other people, right? There's other people. I mean, even my wife. So my wife, when she was young, um, she was in a tornado. Uh, her family was sleeping and and something told her that something was wrong. So she got up and ran into her parents' room. Um, and just at that time, a tornado came through their town, basically ripped their entire house down, except for the wall that they were, um, you know, leaning against or, or sitting against. Uh, a friend of mine, this was crazy, a friend of mine went um, in the middle of the night, went into a uh, quarry uh, because he wanted to rappel down this, this huge wall um, that, you know, a quarry is a bunch of rock, right? And so he was like, I'm going to, you know, sneak into this place and I'm going to set up my ropes and I'm going to rappel all the way down this giant face, um, in this quarry. So he got everything hooked up threw the rope down, uh, started rappelling down. Um, and then he realized that it wasn't really as, uh, as solid rock as he thought it was. Uh, it was actually rock mixed with, you know, gravel and, and dirt and things like that. And so as he was rappelling down, uh, his foot dislodged a fairly large rock, uh, which tumbled down below him. Uh, and what he didn't realize until a little bit later is that the rock had actually hit his rope farther down 
and severed the rope, meaning that the rope didn't go all the way to the bottom. Now, for those of you who rock climb or rappel, you understand that this is very dangerous because uh, you don't really want to have to go back up when you're rappelling. The whole point is to go down. So he got down to where the rope had been severed, and luckily he realized it before he got to that point. He could somehow see it in the dark that there was no longer rope below him. Now, if, if he hadn't have seen that, he would have just kept letting the rope slide through his um, belay device. And at some point, the rope would have fallen through his device, and he would have just free-falled uh, down to the bottom. So he realized it in time, and then he was able to literally climb hand over hand back up his rope all the way to the top uh, and, and make it out to tell the story. That was an insane uh, incident. And then I've had friends, you know, I had a friend in college who was riding uh, a riding, large riding lawnmower, you know, not just the type you buy for your house, but one of those big industrial riding lawnmowers. Um, and he was working at, a, at an organization where, you know, lots of property, lots of land. Uh, and he was in a position where he was kind of riding on the side of a hill, mowing this lawn, which I'm sure he had done many times before. And for some reason that day, the, um, the lawnmower decided to roll over. And so he was not able to jump away far enough and he was crushed underneath the lawnmower. Uh, and, but he made it. I mean, he, he went through multiple surgeries. His, his head was actually fractured. His skull was fractured in multiple places. Um, and they were able to, you know, get him patched up. And, and he was in really critical condition for a really long time. Um, but he made it out. And then one final one, I remember a, a friend of mine in college uh, lived lived out away from the college, always uh, in the in the middle of nowhere. And so he would get up early in the morning and he would drive into school, um, you know, as the sun was coming up. And one morning, you know, he, he was on his way. He pulled up to a stop sign. Um, and it was a it was a stop. It wasn't a four way stop. So he was stopping, but then the cross traffic was not. And he looked both directions, um, but because of the sun and because of the you know just the way that it was shining, he just did not see anybody coming. So he pulled out from the stop sign, and a very large, very heavy dump truck broadsided him, uh, going full speed. You know, fifty, sixty miles an hour. And again, his car was just toast, um, and it it messed him up pretty good. He was in the hospital for a really long time, um, but again, came out of it. So, I mean, you know, if I can think of just that many stories in my own life and in the lives of people I know, I'm just going to assume the same for you, that each of us has been in similar situations where we feel like we've cheated death or that we know people who have cheated death. So where does that leave us, right? Well, for many of us, this leaves us with a fear of death, right? A fear that is like a black cloud hanging over our heads, a fear that can keep us from living our best lives, a fear that can turn us into colossal killjoys to those around us, always worried or nervous about uh, you know, participating in certain things. And so that's what we're talking about today. Our topic is transcending a fear of death. 
In this episode, we're going to talk about three things. First, death, the backstory. Second, death, where the fear comes from. And finally, death, your fight is over. Number one, death, the backstory. So in order to have this conversation, there's really, there are two very important things that we have to understand about death. First, we were never meant to die. And second, death is not optional. Now I know these two sound very strange when you say them back to back, right? So let's take them one at a time uh, in order to fully grasp the significance of these two statements. So the first one is, uh, we were never meant to die. Now this is obviously a belief tied to some sort of religious or spiritual worldview, right? If you have no spiritual or religious worldview or beliefs guiding your origin story, then you most likely believe in the theory of evolution. And in the case of evolution, death has always been a thing, right? It came baked in, survival of the fittest and all that good stuff. So this whole idea that death was not part of our origin story really has some spiritual significance to it. And for me, as a Christian, you know, I there's this belief that there was a time when death was not a thing, right? We believe that God created the earth to be perfect and that for a while it really was. Human beings lived on earth, they walked and talked with their creator, and we were designed to live forever with him. So we were never meant to die. But something happened, obviously, something Christians simply refer to as the fall, or maybe we should call it the falls, plural, because there's really two significant parts to the story. Right, The first one, um, most of us know, uh, one of the top dogs in heaven, Lucifer, fell from his position of power. For the first time ever, a perfect created being had a thought that went against his creator. Or maybe it happened before, but were fleeting thoughts that never really took root. But in Lucifer, for some reason, this thought dug in its heels and it started to grow. And before long, this little thought had grown into an angry manifesto of sorts, right? Lucifer was mad that he could not be God himself and that he didn't have the power to create things and rule the entire universe. And from there, it just went downhill fast, right? He convinced a third of the angels to follow him, that he was right. They fought to overthrow God. And of course, they lost. So Lucifer and his angels were banished from heaven and forced to continue their existence on earth. This was fall number one. Now, the second fall came when we, the perfect beings God created on earth, decided to choose Lucifer as well. Now called Satan, we chose to follow Satan over God. So as part of the creation process, God baked in this thing called freedom of choice, right? We've talked about this many times on the podcast. Because without it, there would be no love on earth. Because love is only love if there is a choice. So to provide that choice, God allowed Satan to access us, right, through a tree in the garden. God showed us the tree. He told us not to touch the tree. He even told us what would happen if we did touch the tree. But we chose poorly anyway, right? We chose Satan over God when we ate the fruit of the tree. Now, there was no magic power in the tree or in the fruit itself, right? It wasn't like a poison apple from Snow White. Uh, It's simply the outward physical manifestation of a choice that we made with our minds, right? Our decision to choose our way, or Satan's way in this case, over God's way. 
And that was it. Fall number two. Which leads us to the second important understanding about death. Death is not optional. So when we chose to eat the fruit on that tree, right, we were allowed to see the truth about something called sin. Sin being this thing that came between us and God when we made that fateful choice. And the problem is this. Sin isn't just a one-time thing, right? Sin is a virus. It's an, a virus that immediately spread throughout the entire earth. It was like a global pandemic that spread with 100% accuracy to every one of the earth's elements, structures, plants, trees, fish, birds, animals, and us, the human beings. And in this pandemic, it actually remains active to this day, 100% effective. Now, this should mean quite a bit to us coming out of the pandemic with COVID where, you know, we saw rises and falls and, you know, there was something that we could do, right? There was a push that we could make to try to flatten the curve or whatever they, you know, whatever they called it from time to time. But unfortunately, this is not possible with the sin virus, right? The sin virus is 100% effective still. Uh, It's in everything. It's through everything. It's passed down you know, through the reproductive process every single time. And unfortunately, the end result of sin or the sin virus pandemic is death. Death for everything, everything it touches. The physical earth, the elements, the plants, the trees, the fish, the birds, the animals. And yes, for all of us. Death is no longer an option. It's just a reality. Number two, death, where the fear comes from. So before we really dive in, I thought this was really interesting. So the official term for fear of death is thanatophobia. I guess I'd just never heard that term before because the minute I saw it, I thought of what? Thanos, right? The Titan depicted in the Avenger movies. So I did some quick digging and sure enough, according to Michael Jung on ScreenRant.com, Thanos is a short form of the personal name Athanasios, uh, which means immortal. The name, however, is also derived from the name Thanatos, which is a Greek mythological figure uh, who carries humans off to the underworld when their lives are complete. For Thanos, therefore, his name literally means death. Now, I found it interesting because in the movies, like you really see both attributes, right? You see Thanos appearing to be immortal. Uh, But he's also fascinated with death, right? That's the whole plot line in the Avengers movies is he wants to kill half of the people in the universe, um, you know, in some sick way, thinking that it would help preserve the universe. But I digress. Thanatophobia is the fear of death. But apparently there are levels of fear. So Maria Kohut of medicalnewstoday.com writes that Almost everyone is afraid of death on some level, right? Either the thought of not being here ourselves or the thought of losing someone we love. And those are really the two big elements that make up fear of death, right? It's it's the fear of you and what's going to happen to you, or it's the fear of if it happened to somebody else dealing with the fallout. And this fear was best described by an anthropologist named Ernst Becker, 
who suggested that the fear of death comes to us naturally because we find death unacceptable. Uh, his work led to what is called terror management theory, or TMT, which suggests that human self-consciousness and their drive to achieve personal goals is really motivated by the awareness of their mortality. In other words, because we know death is coming, we go out of our way to get stuff done, to run around uh, like our heads are cut off, basically, and do things to validate our lives. Now, another interesting theory, according to Kohat, um, is post-traumatic growth theory, or PTG. And this is a really unique theory because it actually um, suggests the opposite. It suggests that there is something that people do that makes them less afraid of, of death or of their mortality. Um, and in, in this theory, um, it suggests that after a near-death experience or a traumatic event in our life or experiencing the death of a loved one or after getting a worrying health diagnosis or something like that, because of experiencing death so closely, um, that can actually make us appreciate life more. But the big takeaway for me uh, in this article was that there is a common fear of death and then there's a fear of death that's a little more clinical, right? There's a condition um, that really should be a diagnosis uh, in the DSM-5, but it's not. Um, and it's clinical or it's a disorder because it has reached a level where it is disrupting your normal level of functioning. And this is really the fear that I'm talking about, right? This is the not just the, yeah, I think about it every great now and then. Um, it's the more intense version, right? The level of anxiety that is disruptive in ways like ways like these. So invading your thoughts at random times in the day, um, something you dream about, uh, you begin to view normal activities as potentially dangerous. You stop doing certain things to ensure your safety. Uh, maybe you get worried when somebody you love does something that you feel is a little dangerous. Uh, maybe you try to keep your kids from activities because there's an element of danger to it. Uh, and unfortunately, many of these activities aren't even dangerous, but to you, they are. You know, things like flying, driving to a new town, going on a blind date, uh, going for a walk by yourself, going skiing, uh, you know, going to a big city for a sporting event or a concert. I mean, these are all things that people do on a regular basis and they don't die. But these are things that people with death anxiety have a field day with. Now you notice we just discussed people, their fear of death, and a bunch of symptoms related to this fear. And never once did we mention anything spiritual in relation to these questions. That was on purpose because death is universal. It doesn't care if you are spiritual or not, or if you're religious or not, it's gonna come for each of us just the same. So on some level, each of us experience death anxiety the same because we are all heading in the same direction. Now, before I, uh, before I did any research on the subject, I just assumed some things, right? I assumed that people who are religious or spiritual would have less death anxiety than those with no religious or spiritual beliefs. And I think that that may be even documented, you know, kind of a stereotype that's documented in the world today. But is it really true? 
Well, in the research I did, I did find a few articles where religious affiliations or organizations offered reasons why you shouldn't fear death, but not much in the way of research proving that Christians or spiritual people feel death less than anyone else. And then I found this one, a really interesting article put out by the Oxford uh, University Press on a research study published in a journal called Religion, Brain, and Behavior. And I won't go into too much detail because it was pretty, pretty long and pretty uh, intense. But in summary, the research study showed that there are really two groups of people who seem to have less death anxiety than others. And who are these two groups? Believe it or not, the religious and the completely non-religious. So the article clarifies that the religious person they are speaking about is really there's they're they're looking at religious people in two ways. There are people who are intrinsically religious, and then there are people who are extrinsically religious. So the the religious people that they're referring to are the intrinsically religious people. Now, these are the people who have religious beliefs that come from within them, right? As a true representation of what they believe. Extrinsically religious people are just religious because they want to fit in or because it seems like the right thing to do at the time. And according to to the study, this group, right, the extrinsically religious people actually had higher levels of death anxiety than those who are intrinsically religious or people who actually believed what they believed. Now, the non-religious camp is made up of atheists for sure, but basically just people who operate with no religious or spiritual worldview. The study, the study suggested that this was a very interesting finding. So what they saw was a U-shaped curve with intrinsically religious people on one side and fully non-believing people on the other, and that both of those groups actually had lower death anxiety than everyone else. Everyone else in the middle had higher levels of death anxiety. Now, I must say, this intrigued me a bit as well, you know, back to my stereotype, which was that, you know, religious people shouldn't fear death as much as non-religious people. But now with this study, it shows that basically it's the same. If you're a highly religious person, you should fear death less. Or if you're a complete non-believer, non-religious, non-spiritual, that you would also fear death less. So apparently lower levels of death anxiety occur when you are fully convinced in your mind about spiritual things one way or the other. And it's the people in between, right? It's those who don't really know what they believe. They kind of fluctuate. They kind of like, I don't really know. Those are the people that actually have higher levels of death anxiety. So many things we could dive into there with that information, but let's keep moving forward. Number three. Death, your fight is over. So one of my favorite genres in television and movies is science fiction. I don't 100% know why, but it's just always been that way. It's always been something that fascinated me. I love the whole concept of, you know, putting together a story outside of our three dimensions or outside of the world that we know to be true. Now, in, in story writing, this is called world building, right? And I love the whole science fiction world building concept, um, learning what's different between their world and ours, getting to know the rules, 
in quotes that exist in their world uh, and how they differ from the rules that we live with. And, you know, I'm not talking about rules like laws, you know, like the, the speed limit or things like that. I'm talking about rules related to just basic things in our world, right? So rules like gravity, like in our world, gravity is a rule. In this new science fiction world that I'm being involved in because I'm watching this television show or this movie, is gravity the same here as it is there? Or things like magic, right? We don't really have magic on our planet or in our world. But in this new science fiction world that is being built, there's magic. And if so, how does it work? What's it capable of doing? Who is capable of using it? You know, those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. And of course, there are rules about death, right? In these movies, is death final like it is for us? Can people come back to life? Can people be resurrected? Um, all of this information provides context and boundaries through which an amazing sci-fi story can be told. So when I was thinking about this episode, I couldn't help but recall a show I watched a few years ago called The 100. Now, this was a CW show, so it is what it is. I won't vouch for the level of excellence or the acting or the overall plot, even for that matter. But I still enjoyed it a lot just because uh, I love the premise um, of the entire series. I found it fascinating. Um, here's a simple descri description from IMDb. Set 97 years after a nuclear war had destroyed civilization, a spaceship housing humanity's lone survivors sends 100 juvenile delinquents back to Earth in hopes of possibly repopulating the planet. Pretty crazy, right? So the entire series is set on Earth, but things have definitely changed, right? It's a world where um, people are living more like animals. You know, these, these 100 kids get down to Earth and they realize that, you know, Earth didn't actually get completely destroyed. There were there were pockets of the earth where people had survived and they had learned to live um, in the difficult setting that they had been given after this war. Um, but these people, like I said, these people lived like animals on earth. And so they had to deal with all of these different people groups while they uh, were exploring the planet in hopes of repopulating it. So it was really like the survival of the fittest was the the thing of the day, right? There were these groups of people and they were all fighting against each other for dominance. Um, and this society was largely based on fighting or being strong warriors. And this is really the part that made me think about this series when I was writing this episode, right? Because it's the concept of death from this series that that made me think of the show. So, the people that they found living on Earth, right, these warriors, uh, they had a saying when one of their own died. They would always say, your fight is over. And if a member of the group, you know, got injured and they knew that they were close to death, they would also say, my fight is over. Now, this is obviously tied to their culture, right? The day in, the day out, living like warriors, life was all about fighting. It was it was a glorious thing to do and and death by fighting was actually viewed as, you know, the best way to go out. So this whole verbiage, your fight is over or my fight is over, you know, is used numerous times in the show and it really stuck with me. And the more I thought about it, the more I saw the connection, you know, between that saying for them and using that saying for each and every one of us. 
because living on earth today is a battle. Now, it may not be a literal battle in the literal sense of the word, right? We aren't warriors trained in combat, and yet we battle every single day with basic things, right? We battle to get up, to live, to endure things that aren't always fun, right? People go through abusive situations, divorce, bad breakups, uh, getting fired from jobs, accidents, health issues, you know, mental health conditions, all the while fighting to keep moving forward, right? So when we die, I mean, I believe we could say the same thing of ourselves. Your fight is over. But I can't leave it there because that's only talking about the very time of death, right? It isn't actually addressing the topic we are discussing today, which is transcending a fear of death. So getting to the place where we literally are able to move death anxiety out of our vocabulary um, and move it to an all-time low because we've either learned something or we believe something new about death that allows us a new perspective. So back to the Oxford article and the U-shaped curve. On the one hand, it sounds like people with no religious or spiritual view uh, handle death pretty well, right? Uh, but to me, this doesn't mean that they're super resilient, highly educated, have superior mental capacity or anything like that. It's quite the opposite. To me, it's very sad because a person with no religious or spiritual worldview has basically resigned him or herself to this life and this life only, right? They're okay with the 75 odd years on this desolate rock and then just ceasing to exist. They're okay with there being nothing else, nothing after death. And that's why I find it sad. Because if they're wrong, if there is a God, if there is life after death, they'll never get to see it. They'll miss out on living forever and be stuck with the difficult 75 years that they uh, endured here on earth. But what about those who do have a religious or spiritual worldview? How can we be at peace with death? How can we live in such a way uh, so that death is not a shadow following us around? So it doesn't invade our thoughts, disrupt our days, keep us from living life to the fullest. Well, it probably starts with this. As we've talked about before, we don't have control over the feelings and emotions that come our way. And death anxiety is one of those feelings or emotions that can just hit us out of the blue, some of us greater than others. But we know that we can influence our, the, the impact that our feelings and emotions have on us by controlling the other two parts of our personality, our thinking and our behaving. So it's logical in this scenario, right, that if we think differently about death, and if we behave in such a way as to go against our fear, then our death anxiety should decrease. Now, we could come up with a thousand different ways, right, to talk about death differently. But for the purposes of this episode, let's just look at five. So these five are from an article called Five Reasons Christians Don't Fear Death. And I found it on uh, billygram.com or billygram.org. So according to the article, we can lower our death anxiety if we understand the, fo the following five truths about death. Number one, death is no accident. So like we said earlier, death comes for each of us. But for the Christian, it comes with the knowledge that there will be something better coming after death. Number two, 
death is a rest from labor. So death can be viewed as a peaceful rest after the hard labor that we've endured in this world, similar to the whole your fight is over thing. Number three, death is a departure. So understanding this idea that death is really a beginning, not an end. For the Christian, life on earth is literally, uh, it's almost like an audition, right? It's this short, difficult experience that prepares us for eternal life, a life that will never end. Number four, death is a transition. So similar to the above concept, death is like transitioning from one place to another. And because of the time that's involved, the time you know spent here on earth versus the time spent forever, this transition is like moving from a tent into a palace. Number five, death is an exodus. So this whole idea that death is actually a change in our capability, right? We move from humanity with earthly bodies that have serious limitations to these perfect limitless bodies capable of things that we probably can't even imagine. So like I said, those are just five ways that you can look at death in order to keep it from getting the best of you um, as you go about living. But there are way more where that came from, right? Just do a little research this week on why death is not the end. Or possibly do a, a short little research stint on what the Bible says about death. Ultimately, it will bring you back to a very important question, which is, what do you believe? Do you have a religious or spiritual worldview, or don't you? That really might be where you need to start. So let's land the plane. This week, chew on a few questions. Number one, where are you at when it comes to death anxiety? On a scale from one to 10, with 10 being extremely fearful, where would you rate yourself? Number two, based on our conversation today, can you see where that fear is coming from? Can you look at your life and go, yeah, I think I'm afraid of death because of X, Y, or Z. And then number three, what can you do this week to start thinking differently about death, right? So that you can get back to really living. Um, you know, maybe it's reading through the five, um, the five truths about death that we just talked about in the last section. Or maybe it's, um, you know, reading some of the things you found online this week. Uh, that that are positive and uplifting about the finality of death, but yet also the transition and the departure and the exodus that that it uh, offers us. So that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much for coming along for the ride this week. It was definitely a difficult episode. You know, death is not the most fun thing in the world to talk about, but at the same time, it's an important topic, right? because we are all headed in the same direction. Uh, I hope you found something today that was encouraging, uh, something that gave you hope for a better tomorrow. But we will leave it with that. Um, have a great week. Again, thank you so much for being with us. Keep looking up, and as always, keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com 
where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.